The title of today's message is The Clarity of the Gospel. Is the, the clarity of the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel, our concern? Now, today we have received a report from one of our own missionaries. In Acts chapter 15, you have a missionary that is going to a church to present what he and his partners have been doing throughout the world. They've been in countries such as Cyprus and modern-day country of Turkey, uh, Syria, and so they've been sent out on a missionary journey, and they're coming back, and they're sharing with the church in Jerusalem very exciting news of what God has been doing in their lives and how God has saved people, how God has started churches, and even though the missionaries could not stay, these churches remain. And these churches now have pastors and are being encouraged and strengthened in the Lord. So in Acts chapter 15, I would like us to start with verses 3 and 4, so you can see that the context here is that of a missionary giving a report to a church. Verse 3, And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phenis and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all the things that God had done with them. So Michelle, we're, uh, I think she's taking children's church. So we're really excited about what God has done in Michelle's life, but God can do that through your life too. Right here in Hollister, God can use you. So in the context, it's Paul and uh, Barnabas coming back and giving their report how God used them to advance his kingdom for the furtherance of the gospel. But now there was a controversy that got started over this because it says Paul declared to the Jewish church how Gentiles came to know Jesus as their Savior. So the gospel has jumped cultural boundaries here. Aren't you amazed at all the different cultures that God opened up for Michelle to minister in? And uh, God has gifted her to be able to go amongst all the different cultures. But here the gospel jumps from a Jewish culture to a Gentile culture, and the clarity of the gospel comes into question. What is the gospel? How does somebody get saved? Is there a different gospel for Jewish people? Is there a different gospel for Gentile people? And so let's continue reading now. Let's go back to verse 1. It says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, and this is an important phrase, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, what? You cannot be saved. You're not a Christian unless you've been circumcised. You're not able to be a partaker of Christ unless you do it the Jewish way. You're not saved. And so they would travel behind, later on in the book of Galatians we learn, they would travel behind Paul and they would trouble the Gentiles and say, by the way, you didn't get the rest of the story. 
you're actually not saved. You need to do it this way. And so it caused great confusion amongst the Gentiles over what the gospel was. So verse 2, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension. Now that's a funny way of saying they had a big right? They had a big fight going on with these men, with these teachers causing confusion. When they had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. What's the gospel? How is somebody saved? What do we preach? So verse 5, But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying, that it was needful to circumcise them and command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. So they had a, if you would, church council, church conference, over this very question. How do you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is it Christ plus some religious work? Now do you see the relevance to the culture in which we live? Because you get on your door on a regular basis. Hello, we're from the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. Hello, we're from Kingdom Hall. Hello, we're from this works-oriented religion. We're here to tell you that you need to believe in Jesus and you need to do the good works that we line out in our church to be saved. And so the problem is they bring you in, you get sucked into that kind of mentality, uh, performance-based religion, and they never let you know when you've done enough to be saved. You're just constantly caught up always doing, 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 doing. And so your soul can never rest. Well, that's what these Jewish men wanted to do to these Gentile converts. They wanted them to get hooked into Judaism into the religion of the Jews and constantly keep the laws of Moses. And the very first law of Moses that they had to keep was that of circumcision. If you don't know what circumcision is, it's when you would take a male convert that was not Jewish, when they brought them into Judaism, then they would cut off the foreskin of the male private part. That's circumcision. And that was the sign of their covenant that they had truly become Jewish. And that's quite a commitment, right? And so they knew that then they were very serious about being Jewish. Well, is that what God really says, that you have to have your body mutilated to become a Christian? That's what they're teaching. Unless you're circumcised, unless you follow the teachings of Moses, you cannot be saved. So this is a big question. This had to be settled. Now, take your Bible. Let's go further into the New Testament quickly to Galatians chapter 1. Galatia was a region of churches that Paul started, um, most likely during the silent years when he received Christ, he was persecuted for his faith, he was basically run out of Jerusalem, run out of Israel, and so his mentors said, Paul, it's probably best for you to go to your hometown, which was Tarsus, in Cilicia, or the region of Galatia. And so for about six years of silence, Paul started churches in that part of the world. Uh, Then later, Barnabas would catch up with him 
and they would start their great missionary journey. So Paul is writing letters to these churches, and this is what he says, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him, that would be Jesus, that called you into the grace of Christ, unto what? Another gospel, which is not another, but there are some that trouble you and would do what? Pervert the gospel of Christ. So if you look at the cover of the Book of Mormon, it says another gospel of Jesus Christ. It's an alternative gospel. So is it really the gospel that saves you? Well, the answer to that is no. And the Apostle Paul said to the Galatians, I'm surprised that you got suckered into this that you abandoned the truth of the gospel to follow this lie, um, to follow this alternate gospel, which really is not another gospel. There's only one gospel. So verse 8, he goes on to say, But though we or an angel from heaven, and by the way, how did Joseph Smith receive his another gospel? By an angel from heaven, all right? The angel Moroni. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be what? Accursed. Accursed means sent to hell. Well, if you're preaching an alternate gospel, which is not the true gospel, your only destiny can be hell. That's the only way. So Paul is saying that's being accursed. Verse 9, as we said before, so say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than ye have received, let him be accursed. Now let's go over one other chapter to Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. And Paul settles this for us. What is the gospel? Galatians 2, 16. Verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Now, the word justified is the doctrine of justification, how one is just in God's sight. What makes you saved or just in God's sight? Is it the keeping of religious works? No, it's not. So you're not justified by the works of the law, but by what? The faith of Jesus Christ. So simply, faith in Jesus. Trusting in Jesus Christ alone. Even we have believed in, in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. There's no way for a Jehovah Witness, a Mormon, or any other cult any other religious denomination that teaches, you have to believe plus do good works. That's not the gospel. The gospel is faith in Christ and Him alone. That justifies you. That's the gospel. That's the simple message of salvation. So why do we do good works as a Baptist church then? Because we want to bring glory to God. Not earn our salvation, but to glorify the God that did save us. 
So that's the part that religion has and uh, in, in good works has in all of this, all right? To just bring glory to God, to make him known wider, more generally glorified in society, but not to earn our salvation, not to justify us before God. All right, so now let's talk about some practical things here in the day and age in which we live. Let's look at our connection to the gospel. A recent survey that came out uh, this last year uh, shows that in the United States, those who profess to have faith in Jesus, all right, 60% of them between the ages of 18 and 39, 60% say that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. Does that mean then 60% of professing Christians ages 18 to 39 aren't saved? Because the Bible says, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You see, what's happening in the church today in America, in California, in Hollister is the confusion over the gospel again. It's okay. You go ahead and believe the way you want to believe. There are many different gods, but they all end up being leading to the one same God. You believe in uh, the Islamic God. You believe in the Buddhist religion. You believe in all of these other things. And it's okay. You're going to end up in heaven. Matter of fact, did you know that right now at Harvard University, the chaplain in charge of all of the chaplains at Harvard University is an atheist? Some of you are looking at me like, huh, what? How can an atheist be a chaplain? All right. Very interesting question. How did the fox get into the hen house? All right. Someone let him in. All right. So his book is Pursuing God Without a God. All right. You don't even need God to be a religious person. That's the confusion that's going on in our culture today. Uh, folks, when you erase the reality of common sense language, no wonder we are where we are as a culture when we can't define certain terms about gender, but we can't even define God anymore, right? Um, God is our own creation, right? Just follow a higher power. You Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it because you're going to end up in heaven after all. Just try to be a good person, right? And then don't worry about it. Well, that's the confusion of society today. They don't know what the gospel is anymore, that Jesus Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again. And you have to believe in him by faith, what he did for you. They don't understand the simplicity of the gospel. So uh, the details of this article uh, go on to point out that um, 30% say they believe that Jesus sinned just like other people, or they're not sure. 
So 30% say that Jesus Christ committed a sin. Well, now you're dealing with something completely different. Can a sinner die on the cross to pay the sins for other sinners? Absolutely not. So this is our connection to the gospel uh, that our generation has lost the clarity of the term. By the way, the Greek word is euangelion, which means the good news. They don't know what the good news is anymore. And I think you can see that from just listening to the news. There's hardly any good news that's ever on television or radio. And there's definitely never the good news about people believing in Jesus. Do you know that in this nation, they used to publish revival accounts every week in the newspaper? They used to publish the pastor's sermons in the newspapers, word for word. That used to take place in America. So, this was uh, 3,100 people that were surveyed in that particular article. So, the percentage of born-again Christians with a biblical worldview, it's dramatically falling. The last time they did this survey was in 2010, and 10 years It was cut by over half. So what is the answer? Well, this is what the article basically points out for us here. um, Is that the clarity and proclamation of the gospel must be our concern. And so here's what they say. If we will commit ourselves, we, the church, to proclaiming, that means telling the excellencies of him, that's of Jesus, uh, who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light, we will bring revival to our land, to America. Now, here's part of this. The gospel, is it our concern for us here today in this room, living in the city of Hollister, in the metropolitan area of San Francisco, San Jose, I want you to understand that you, if God calls you to go to the mission field like Michelle, God will go with you and God will use you. But when you walk out of the doors today, you're entering the mission field in the United States of America. Here's why. The Barna Group, which is an evangelical research group headquartered in Ventura, California, has ranked the top 10 most post-Christian cities in the United States. Now, guess what? They're on the coasts, New England and the West Coast. So here are the top 10 unchurched metro areas or cities in the United States. Portland, Auburn, Maine is number two, 57% of people. Boston, number three, Albany and Schenectady, Troy, New York, 54%. Providence, Rhode Island, 53%. Burlington, uh, Plattsburgh, uh, Burlington, Vermont, Plattsburgh, New York, 53%. Hartford, New Haven, Connecticut, 52%. New York, New York, 51%. Buffalo, New York, 50%. 
Coming in at number 10, Seattle, Tacoma, Washington, 50%, and number one in the United States, the San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose metro area, 60%. Absolutely do not go to church. What are the kind of questions that they were asked? Well, have you attended church in the last six months? No. Um, do you believe that religion is a positive thing? No. Um, do you hold a belief in God, prayer, or Bible reading at some point during the week? No. All right. So, no wonder why California is in the mess that California is in. Because somehow we have forgotten to be missionaries at home. Now, how many of you have ever heard of the Battle of the Chosin Reservoir in the Korean War, Korean conflict? Ever, anyone ever heard of that? All right. So what we thought was going to be the end of the war, um, the North Koreans invaded South Korea, almost took the whole country. MacArthur did a brilliant military maneuver. He did an end around and did an amphib amphibious landing in Incheon Harbor and then retook Seoul and pushed the communists all the way to uh, the river, the border with China. Uh, and the next morning, MacArthur was about ready to declare victory, but then they noticed the Chinese communist Red Army coming across the Yellow River, hundreds of thousands of them, and surrounded the United States uh, Army at the Chosan Reservoir. Uh, it was so cold that on both sides, soldiers would lose legs and arms, and the blood would freeze and congeal. They didn't even need tourniquets. This was a gruesome battle. And the Chinese surrounded the United States, and it looked very dire that we were going to lose 100,000 men in this battle, surrender or death, or freeze them out and they just die. So reporters were dropped in and they were asking uh, General Westmoreland about the whole situation. You know, why were you so confident? Why were you and General MacArthur so confident just a couple of days ago that the war was over and now you're retreating? He says, we are not retreating. We're advancing to the rear. <laughs> All right. And so they fought their way out and they saved that entire army. And I mean, it was just a really, God was with them. I mean, the Chinese had bombed all the bridges and all the escape routes, and they literally parachuted bridges into place so the army could escape. But look, like the Battle of the Bulge, when the Americans were surrounded, and the Germans sent the terms of surrender to the American general, and the American general replied back with one word, nuts. And he told his troops, you can fight in any direction you would like. Listen, we're surrounded. The good news is, gospel light is custom made for the darkness of our region. You can fight in any direction you want. We're advancing to the rear. We're advancing to the left. We're advancing to the right. We're advancing forward. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. God is saving souls, and we've seen that in our ministry. We've had baptisms. 
We need to pray for more baptisms. We need to pray to have eyes that see souls the way that Jesus does. And so this is the important part here today. The clarity and the proclamation of the gospel must be our concern. Will you today pick up the mantle that Michelle has taken up? Maybe God is calling you to go to a foreign mission field. We would love to send you. We would love to lose you from this assembly every Sunday morning. If that's what God's calling you for, go for it. But you can be a missionary right here in Hollister with skills you didn't even realize you had. You can teach English. You can teach literacy. I was involved with the county library in teaching um, ESL, English as a second language. And a little snake helped people understand the S sound. Um, then our church had a family that did an ESL ministry based out of a church in the metro Washington, D.C. area. Uh, where they had hundreds of people in their community coming to learn English at their church. We had maybe 15 or 20 up in Concord that would come. And we had people saved in that ministry. Uh, You saw that when Michelle was here uh, in the United States, waiting for the Lord to open up different doors, that she was involved in the Good News Club. Did you know that you can actually preach the gospel in the public schools here in Hollister? You can. It's the Good News Clubs. I was involved in that up in Martinez, California. There's all kinds of things that you can do to share the gospel with people. So is that our concern? Dr. James Singleton, uh, who's in heaven now, he was uh, pastor at Tri-City Baptist Church in Tempe, Arizona. He started out as a United Methodist pastor. And uh, at the beginning of the formation of their denomination. And he saw the apostasy happening within the United Methodist Church. So he started reading his Bible closely. And he saw certain things. He saw the gospel, which he already knew. He had personally been a believer in Jesus and had gone to the pastorate. But he ended up leaving the United Methodist Church. And he went to the Southern Baptist denomination. And he was in that for many years, pastoring. And then in the 1980s, the SBC started compromising. And they would allow people who didn't have the clarity of the gospel to be in the denomination with those who have the gospel. And that's why there's today a big fight within the Southern Baptist Convention. Because half of them don't know what the gospel is anymore. Half of them do. So he ended up leaving the SBC, and he said, you know what? According to the Word of God, it teaches that the local church should not be in a denomination. It has its own governance, just the pastors and deacons and the congregation ruling the church. So he became an independent Baptist pastor for probably 30 years of his ministry, and he used to teach soul-winning classes such as uh, Evangelism Explosion. Uh, There towards the end, they were doing 
for the church, uh, the exchange, and, and they did many other kinds of gospel presentations. But you know what he said to me? He said, Brent, let me just share with you my observation after 50 years of pastoral ministry that programs do not work when it comes for a local church sharing the gospel. I said, what do you mean? Isn't that what motivates your people? He said, why do you have to motivate people when they should be so in love with Jesus that they want to share Jesus? I guess that's my question for you today. Are you so in love with Jesus that you just want to share him? Is the gospel your concern?